Welcome. Another episode. Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I've got a couple episodes I'm going to do that I'm entitling Investing Fallacies or Investment Fallacies. Uh, things that sound like they always work, but not necessarily. Uh, it's caveat emptor, which kind of means buyer beware, or sometimes even seller beware. Not what it means, but uh, both sides of the equation, there's opportunity in a robust market like this to to make money, certainly, or to also to lose money. It's harder to lose money when everything's going up, but you certainly can sell for too cheap. And that's a way of, uh, in, in one sense, losing money. I think that uh, if any of you have ever been on a diet, you will know, I think, that all diets seem to work for a while, and uh, and then all diets seem to not work when uh, you start uh, shortcutting or not following as closely or, or cheating too much. And uh, that's much like investment philosophies, is that any investment ph- philosophy can look good for a while, can do well for a while, especially if you're if you're uh, disciplined, but if you start uh, letting your emotions get into it, uh, again, there are no sure things. Even buy low and sell high, which sounds like about as sure as you can get. Uh, regardless of what you're doing, whatever strategy you use, I strongly advise you, regardless of, of uh, that you invest in things that you know, uh, that you follow closely, that you track, that and and basically a lot of times it's most it's best if it's something you love if you're really into basketball uh then basketball would be great if you're not into hockey but you think hockey's the next great thing either uh get into it pretty deep or 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 stay away from it because if you don't really know what you're doing you you have a high likelihood of getting burned in fact you know I meet with a lot of uh emerging businesses and I do a lot of pro bono consulting in my uh, in in my time these days since I'm retired, and when I meet with a a young person or a not so young person who uh, may be starting a business or has a business, uh, wh- whether it's whatever they're doing, uh, I'll ask them what's their special edge. I mean, what what is there something you're better at that your competitors or or you know what what's what's your what's your secret? What's your distinctive? Whether it's a restaurant or any business or any commodity, you if if you're just like everybody else, then you, you need to you need to have an edge. I mean, ideally, you have an edge. So if you're collecting, you need an edge. You need especially you need a niche, and I I recommend that. So don't think that you're going to just take the next niche that is hyped up or promoted. The the in in uh, in, in penny stocks, there's this. Uh, uh, you can you can look it up. The the pump and dump, where there's this uh, huge PR machine that uh, promotes the uh, upward increase of something and you're not too sure why it's going up so much. And then all of a sudden these people who've been hyping it then uh, sell at the high price and, and somebody uh, less knowledgeable is holding the bag. Uh, the only education against that, well, that happens in every industry that there's a promotion. And uh, we've seen that here. The, the, the antidote is to be educated, to, to understand that market and don't get into niches that you don't understand why something is going up. If there's no reason to go up, then it could easily go down. Again, there are no sure things. That doesn't always happen. But uh, exercising caution is a good idea. A little bit of analysis uh, would be good. Don't let your emotions uh, run away. Obviously, there's supply and demand. In the old days, supply and demand was was uh, guesswork. It was hard to know what the supply was. Nowadays, you have you have uh, episode, you have uh, uh, serial numbered cards to where you know if something's one of ten or one of a hundred or one of a thousand. You have some idea how many were produced. 
Uh, within buy low and sell high, uh, obviously, if you set up your little two by two matrix, if you follow me into the classroom of buying uh, and selling and low or high, if you buy low and sell low or buy high and sell high or buy low, sell high, buy, buy high, sell low, those are the four possibilities. Obviously, buy low, sell high sounds like absolutely the best. And it normally is, but I have so many regrets of things I sold because really it's the perception that you're buying low and selling high. It's, it, it's, it's relative. Most of those things that I thought I was buying low, in fact, I probably did buy low. I got a good deal, but selling high, I thought I was selling high, but in effect, I sold way too early. And so even though buying high, you think, well, how can you go wrong? Well, I, I left a lot of money on the table if I waited. So the time value of this buying lower high and selling lower high is is critical. Also, even what it means for something to be low or high. Again, this is that we're we're uh, we're in the price guide era now, in the era where it's easy to get information on what things have sold for. But still, there is a there. It's it's a perception. It was always perception of value in the current sense as well as the future sense. And if you had a crystal ball and you knew what things were going to sell for uh, today as well as next year or in 10 years, uh, no one has that. No one has that. There are many other alternatives for your money. Uh, so if you're sitting there with cards that have value, uh, even if you bought high and all you can do is sell low, that may not even be, that may not be, that, that may be something you want to consider if you have other alternatives for your money. And in, in other words, you, you might want to sell something at a loss in order to redeploy those funds into something that, that is going to go up instead of having it stuck in something that's that's stagnant. There's also the consideration in, in these investing philosophies of uh, being confused with respect to how much the uh, macro or uh, national economic conditions are uh, headwinds or tailwinds. And so that needs to be considered. If we have an economic downturn, uh, it, 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 it could have a, a larger effect than we realize. The hobby, and really all hobbies, I think, have some kind of a, of a uh, uh, that when they start out small, they are, uh, it's a bunch of contraries. Back in the 50s and the 60s, it was a small group of people that collected and nobody knew the value and, and uh, nobody thought there was value there. And going against the grain was uh, was wise. But then as the hobby got bigger and bigger and became an industry, you're, it's more affected by kind of a herd mentality of what's everybody else buying instead of uh, nobody's buying this, so I'm going to buy this. I, they're going to zig, so I'm going to zag. Um, I have a friend that is a, a close friend and a contemporary of mine. I'm not going to say his name because I don't have his, permission, have his permission, but he he bought high and then sold high. And if I look at, again, he's kind of a contemporary and I, I did fine with my, back in the day when I would buy low and sell high. But I promise you, he did way better than I did because when he, I bought things, when, when I would buy something back again, it's 40 years now, but when I bought something and if I would have showed it, shown what I bought to a hundred collectors, 99 or a hundred would have said, Hey, you got a great deal on that. My, my friend, my close friend, when he bought things over that same time period, people would have said, Oh man, they, they always say you overpaid. Okay. Well, what's, what's, the, what happened there is I was just buying, you know, regular stuff. He was buying the finest of the fine. Now, there's no assurance that that's going to continue on forever. But during this time period, I think he, he trounced me, um, investment wise in terms of any real return because he overpaid getting the finest 
that he could find. Everybody thought he was overpaying. And then 10, 20 years later, he, he mopped up. Okay, again, no assurance that's going to happen. People think that'll always happen. I'm not in that camp that that will always happen. Uh, the buy low and sell low. That sounds like, well, that's stupid. Why would you sell low if you bought low? Well, Mr. Mint kind of did that. You know, he, he paid uh, highest prices if you look at the total dollars he outlaid. But when you uh, dissect his business model, he was, he was uh, a wholesaler. And so he was buying huge, huge fines and then able to parcel that out and move it quickly and make uh, good money because of the, he was doing, uh, you know, five and six figure type, uh, type deals. And so if he made, uh, X percent, he didn't have to double his money to, to do very well. Uh, generally in this industry, the bigger the deal, the bigger the discount. So if you had a hundred thousand cards to sell as opposed to 10,000 cards to sell as opposed to a thousand cards to sell, uh, the hundred thousand, you're gonna, you're gonna take a bigger haircut. And so in the selling, the, the buying low and selling high or buying high, selling low, a lot of that is impacted by how you parcel out whether you're buying individual cards or groups of cards. I haven't, well, Rob Veris is another example. Uh, Burbank Sports Cards, one of my sponsors. If you go to a show or you check out his website, he has, uh, a buying list and he'll, he'll buy at, uh, at the national for sure. He buys, you know, a pallet full of cards or more. Uh, and he's getting a huge discount and he's, he, so he's buying low, but he's also in many cases passing that through in order to buy low and then pass those savings on to his customers. Otherwise he would just be accumulating more and more cards. So he's passing on the savings that he gets. So he's a little bit of a buy low, sell low guy. I mean, not that some things aren't high, but, uh, so again, don't just think that buy low and sell high is the only way to do it. Anybody that's playing the the, the rookie game uh, of, of the latest and greatest of, of uh, especially baseball, football, but also basketball and hockey, young players, a lot of that is buy high and sell high. And that works. That works until it doesn't. But if you pay big bucks for something and it's on the uptick and it's a scarce item, as long as that demand is there, uh, you're, you're, you're going to look pretty good. You, you, you could look very good. Um, so I'm actually going to have to do another episode on, I think, just supply and demand, because that's a whole nother uh, set of uh, discussion points in terms of, again, I think people don't exactly look at it uh, the same uh, in this industry as opposed to something else that doesn't involve a hobby. So uh, buy low, sell high doesn't work if you sell too early. Buy high, sell low you might lose money on that transaction, but you may be able to redeploy those funds into something that um, that was uh, that was more profitable. I can't tell you back in the in the mid '70s when I was an active dealer how many times by keeping some dry powder in the buy low sell high that at the end of a show somebody needed some money for to buy something and they had to sell something at a discount in order to raise the funds, and so being ready. To pounce again, nobody was twisting their arm, but they just said, "I need, I've got to get this much money to make this deal. Uh, I'll sell you this stuff, and it would, it would just be a good enough deal that it would be a, a really good deal." Now, like I said, my problem was, so I was buying low, and I was a very knowledgeable buyer and knowledgeable seller. But if I sold it the next year, anything that was sold in the seventies, this maybe I don't know that we'll be saying this about the year twenty nineteen, but anything that I sold in the seventies, I wish I had it back because it's it's just gone up. Of course, it's been many decades now, but uh, uh, 
when you're buying low and selling high, don't forget the time value of the money. And also don't forget the fact that when you buy high, there's some bragging rights with that. There's some bragging rights that I paid a lot of money for this card and there's a pride of ownership and you get to show it around. And if, the, if it goes down in value, you, you still have the card. You can sell it if you want to, or you could, it might go up and you could sell it. In fact, you have that challenge is that it might go up. And when it goes up, that makes you not want to sell it. And if it goes down, you don't want to sell it. And so you're just sitting there. And so that makes you a collector, not an investor. So if you're an investor, take all of this with a grain of salt, buy low or high, sell low or high and enjoy what you're doing. And realize that no one, and I'm telling you right now, no one at any time has ever had a crystal ball on what prices are going to be. So take that with that grain of salt. Enjoy collecting. Enjoy investing if that's what you want to do. And like I said, I'll do a couple more episodes about investing. And I'll be back again with another probably different episode tomorrow. But again, hope you enjoy the hobby. And uh, and I, I certainly have for many decades. So thanks again. Talk to you soon.